0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to another episode of Candid Coaches Conversations. Uh, this week, we have another group of, of Uh, highly touted uh, assistant coaches, guys that we brought together, and a couple um, of so-called journalists, um, including myself, I guess. But we have Rob Doster, as usual. He will actually move in this podcast, I think. He will not look like a statue. And we have CBS's Matt Norlander. And the topic this week uh, will be rules and uh, rule changes, rule proposals. Uh, You'll hear a lot of these guys talk candidly what they like. What they don't like, whether it's on the court or hopefully some of the rules off the court as well. So the last few weeks, um, we've tried to change it up topic-wise. Uh, this week's we'll we'll talk about rules with some of the, the recommendations that are out there. Um, you know, the 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 rule oversight panel is going to, I think, vote on this early June. Uh, Norlander's probably got some more info on this, but the big ones are obviously uh, whether they go to six fouls. That's a big one. Probably not going to happen. Technicals for flopping, um, no warnings anymore. I think I don't know live stats. I, I guess you're, you're going to be able to use some equipment um, potentially on the bench if the leagues uh, approve it. It's kind of an experimental rule where you can uh, where you can download previously downloaded video and live stats uh, during games. Um, let, let's start, Norlander. What am I forgetting? Am I forgetting anything else that's of relevance?
2: Uh, team timeouts uh, will replace media timeouts, which is definitely inside baseball, but I think it's actually really good for the consumer. Uh, it will make it has the potential to have games be three to five to seven minutes shorter overall. And then shot clocks will, if the school wants to, it can be like an NBA shot clock. It can show tenths of a second on the shot clock for the entirety of the game. That will be on a school-by-school basis. But yes, uh, flopping can potentially result in a technical foul, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that will be experimented in the NIT next year will be the six foul rule, which is obviously the most interesting one. Everything else, um, if it gets passed by, by prop, will be implemented immediately for next season.
1: All right, so I'm going to start with Cody because okay. Cody came from the NBA, and I think obviously it's we know it's a different game. Uh, but but you dealt with six fouls, and now you've been in college for a couple of years. How do you feel about college basketball going from from five to six?
3: I mean, to me, the big key is that there's an additional eight minutes right at the professional level. So the need for those additional fouls is there. Uh, otherwise, you would see you know, star players fouling out early in games and you can't have that. Um, I think that the big thing that from my experience, and again, it's only two years and you guys have been killing it, doing it for years and years and years. You guys can tell me I'm insane, but just as an outsider coming in is there's, there's such a bigger pool of teams right at the college level. It's much harder to have consistency from game to game on the officiating side with only 30 teams and only, you know, whatever it is. So, however many officials we had in the league, it, you know, it's a smaller group. So it's a smaller group to teach the nuances of how to make the calls. And what you get is consistency across the board from game to game. That doesn't mean they're going to get everyone right. But my point being things like the charge calls, right? Like rerouting drivers, right? Hand checking. It's so inconsistent that one game, your best player might have two fouls in the first five minutes, but the next game you might do the exact same thing. and, And both of those fouls go not called, right? So the lack of consistency would be the only thing that leads me to believe an additional foul could be needed, but again, we don't have that extra eight minutes, so I really don't see a need for that change. Anybody
4: want to go to six? Oh hell no! I, I, so so for me, all right. Outside of inconsistency, why in the world would they put all these stipulations on foul calls? Like so, say for instance, you can get a you can get a kid that has zero fouls in the first half, and you have four fouls in the second half. Well, we all know that's the moment of truth. That's the most intense part of a game. And you can get disqualified. That makes no sense. If you're gonna go to six, go to six without any stipulations. You know the same thing. If you have why have you get three in the first half, you get three in the second half. That's fine. But if you get a kid to get one foul in the first half, you get four in the second half. What well, what's the point of going to six? And so people forget. I think in the early '90s, the Big East and Attack. I think it was the Atlantic Sun. They experimented with this. All right. So that's how the Big East became, I guess, the rugged Big East with foul calls. There games that got extended. Um, do we want that again? I don't mind the six. I don't mind going to six, all right? But if you're going to go to six, why have stipulations on it?
5: That's all I'm saying. I, I agree with Jonas a little bit. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, went to the Matha high school. You know, I lived those Big East days, Jonas, when they had six fouls, you know, yeah. watching Georgetown and Villanova and St. John's play. And those guys, those games were bloodbaths, man. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, there was some talent on the floor and everything like that. But, like, it was survival of the fittest. And that's not like how I interpret the game should be played. And um, I just think, you know, I think Cody makes a good point, too, about, you know, we're playing eight less minutes. Um, you know, I just don't see there's any need for, for six fouls. I think it should be six fouls because your best player, when he get two, the
6: coach put him on the bench for the whole first half. And so uh, that's a disadvantage if the ref's not going to be consistent and your best player is sitting on the bench. If it has six fouls, you'll be more inclined to leave him in the game until he get three, you know, three to first half, three to second half. So I think the fouls protect the best players and the best players drive the product. And so we need the product to be good. The NBA got more stars in our game. So we need our best players on the court. Um, and if you're not like behind, where you're only playing six players, you know, don't nobody want to see the best player sitting on the bench. I know I don't, I think it's a whack rule. I wish they would move it to six fouls and 24 seconds in the shotgun. Yeah, well,
4: with the new transfer rule, it's going to be harder to say more than eight or nine guys in it. So a lot of people ain't going to have big rotation unless you got – unless you're going to go platoon anyway. I get what you're saying by getting, you know, after your second foul you putting on the bench. But it's the same thing if you get your third foul in this scenario with no stipulation. You know, I don't know a coach in his right mind going to allow – a player to get four fives a half but it does happen right now you get two fouls some coaches let them play and they get a third foul but they don't get penalized for that if you get a third foul you're not done for the rest of the game you just some sit down and you got two fouls to get in the second half
6: some coaches over coach i know when i was in college my coach let you play in the first half with three fouls because again he don't sub he don't believe in playing nine and ten he only gonna play six and a half maybe seven so the sixth foul will keep the better players on the court, driving the product because we want to see the best players.
0: And I agree
7: with Jason. I agree with Jason because it's, it's the game is supposed to be about our, our players, what's best for our players and what's best for our game. And I think when you can protect and allow the players to have six files to go compete, especially you see the you know the numbers in the NBA, uh, I think you just like like Jason said, you know the product is the, our, our kids and our players, and that's who we need to protect and. And, and, and I think you have a better game.
8: So why- I'll play devil, devil's advocate on this one um, because why I, – I like the idea of going to six fouls for all the reasons that you guys are mentioning. But why why is there this auto bench with two fouls in the first there half? shouldn't order? be. That's You're exactly right.
3: So, you know, that, that brings up a really good point because there was like a study at the NBA level talking about foul trouble, whether we put guys to the bench too soon with fouls and don't let them play fouls. And like the data shows that – Letting the guys play with the fouls more often than not, they actually don't get that next foul. So I it's it an interesting on, point. It
7: depends on the player too. Cause you can't we couldn't put Frank Mason out there with two fouls and say, Frank, hey, don't get your third. He getting his third the next one just cause how competitive and tough. And but I think it has a lot to do with personnel
3: your player. But that
7: that's a good point.
3: I like, that's what we think uh, though. Like we always think the guy's gonna get it. Like that's the interesting thing. Right. What you're seeing in the NBA now is the guys are letting the guys rock with fouls. So, so it's I, like, yeah, like to your uh, hey because you can't have Frank get three fouls in the first half, y'all. I mean, that's your guy, right? So, but in the same sense, I mean, what if we think that he's going to get it, but maybe he, maybe we can actually trust him more than we think. Who knows?
2: I have a question for the veteran uh, coaches here that have been around, you know, Andre, CY, Rod, among them. Um, the Biggie stuff gets referenced in how it was a failed experiment 30 years ago. But do we think that the modern college game, the way it's played – the way that it has been changed and officiated in the way it's been officiated the past five years. Remember when we were talking six, seven years ago about how, you know, we needed to clean up the game and make it more fluid, more cosmetically appealing, right? It feels like there has been good gains on that. So is there the potential that with this rule, which again, will just be done at the NIT level just to see how it goes. And I think that's actually the right process here, but do you believe that the division one men's basketball is a cleaner game in 2021 uh, by Small margins, major margins, no margins at all, versus what the biggies was in the late 80s, early 90s. I, mean, I Matt,
4: go ahead.
9: So I, I jump on here. Like, for me personally, I think it could give, could help offensively uh, with the screen and stuff. Like in the NBA, they call, you know, they get away with the offensive screening a lot more. In the college game, our post guys are sometimes scared to set screens because they're scared to get a foul that way. So most of our fouls come on the defensive side of the ball, it seems. So by allowing six, maybe we could get our post guys or our guys setting better screens and getting those guys to screen more, but not being having the concern of getting the fouls that way. So that would be one reason why I think the six may, may help the game a little bit.
5: You know, Matt, I I agree with what you're saying, Matt. Like, I mean, I do think the officiating has gotten better and we've tried to call the first fouls and hand checking. I think we've improved that, but I, I you know, I just feel sometimes though, especially in the ACC as we move on and see why I could probably test this like. I, I just feel like it gets more physical as we get into conference play. You know, it really does, and and then it gets it gets corralled back in the NCAA tournament because those guys want to advance. So um, because we're seeing the same guys night in and night out in the ACC. So I, you know, I do agree with you. I, I you know because those were bloodbaths, man. Some of those fouls were that's not basketball. But that's it's not it's forget about the better. Big
7: Ten back yeah. in the day, the Big Ten in the, in the, in the early '90s and and. and, and with those teams, I mean, it was, it, it was, it came down to coaching. It came down to uh, 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 of, of who was going to foul late. And I mean, it, it was just a bloodbath. Those, those guys were physical. And g- growing up on big 10 basketball that, as a point guard, you kind of knew that's what you was getting into when you was being recruited and other conferences used to use that to uh, their advantage and negative recruit the big 10. Oh, you just going to play slow basketball, half court basketball. And you know, the, the, the score is going to be 54 to, the sixty, you know, games like that, but it was old school basketball where you got punished if you went in there in the paint and they made you pay for it. So uh, growing up on that on that style of play, you, that's all you knew. And, and now I think the game is definitely a little softer. They, they they have done a good job of cleaning up, but just growing up growing up on those those big ten basketball uh, teams and coaches, those are really good good teams. Fellows,
10: I I think. Uh... I'm, I'm with Jason and some of the other guys in terms of six, six fouls. And my reasoning is probably a little different. Uh, I think human, human nature is a beast and you got to help with human error. I mean, everybody on this call has sat during a game and said, come on, man, that's a bad call. (laughs) Like how many times during the game do you look around, You, you, you said that's a bad call. So all of us get bad calls, especially when you're on the road and in the ACC or the Big Ten, the SEC. Human nature is a beast. So when the crowds come back, it's kind of human nature for the official to kind of get emotional with the crowd and make some calls. I think it takes the pressure off um, for these bad calls that are made. Jalen Hamilton, he don't care what y'all say or anybody says. If a guy gets two fouls. He's sitting on that bench because he don't think he's going to, he don't think he's going to defend and play hard. He thinks he's going to not, not go hard give up some buckets just because he's trying to stay in the game. So uh, if it it was up to me, uh, Jason Hart saying the best players on the court and and it drives the product. That's the truest thing I've heard. It's
1: that balance, right? I mean, it is that balance. You want the best players to be on the floor, but you're afraid of the way the game might look if you're giving everybody six fouls, right? Like, especially next year, I think the game's going to be so ugly at the beginning of next year anyway with all the the turnover among rosters. And if you added like six fouls, I just think it could be a a train wreck in terms of the quality of the play as much as anything. Um, All right, let's – we've gone through that. Let's go around the room a little bit of like, what's the one rule that you guys would change? And it could be – you could have one on the court. You could have one off the court. I want to hear the one off the court as much as the one on, because I think it'd be more interesting. Um, All right, Chris Kreider, let's start with you. You haven't said anything yet. You've been kind of just listening. Um, Mm -hmm. What what do you got? What
11: rules would you change, rule or rules? And we're talking about just overall NCAA. So if if I had to say one thing, I think all of us, you know, in our our positions, we, you know, being compliant and compliance is always so important. And we – we try to follow the rules to a T. I know for myself, you know, how many text calls do we make to our compliance department when something comes up, hey, can I do this? Something that I think, you know, we recruit these guys and we're basketball coaches and you go through the recruiting process, they arrive on your campus and you want to coach them. And I understand why the rules are what they are, but just the whole time and the countable hours. I think sometimes the time that we're allowed to spend on the court once you reach that number, so let's say four hours a week, a guy wants to get extra shots, you, you know, wants to work out, watch the film. I just think I find it as being an internal struggle. Uh, hey, go grab a GA, go grab a manager. Hey, I'll get you on the next go round. you know, so you, you want to follow the rules. But at the same time, you want to do what's right for the kid. You recruited him trying to help him. So for me, that's a that's a balance.
1: Uh, Kason, what do you got? You haven't spoken either.
12: Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. I I, I definitely agree uh, with a lot of things that's been said. I, if I ever change the value, it would definitely be the, the six fouls, just off the top of my head, from the simple standpoint of, of the product. Um, you're going to have coaches, especially old school coaches, uh, like CY said, in terms of, like, Leonard Hamlin, he's sending guys. And that's going to be the case if they got five fouls. Because if you're looking at it, your, your margin of error is high, highly more than um, – getting three fouls opposed to you're gonna save three fouls in the second half. And at the end of the day, we all all need our best players to close the game. So that's the rule. I'm I'm hoping to change uh moving forward and just giving these guys a better feel of what a professional level is with the six fouls and playing like that. Because like he like like CY said, it's gonna be times where there's a lot of room of error when a when a referee makes a bad call and it can cost you. You can get you got a four foul and now you got to sit down to the last three, four minutes of the game. So that's the rule. I, w- I hope would change.
1: Hey, I, I got one for you before I let you go on this one. Uh, how bad is it when, when you play buy games? How bad yeah. is the officiating when you play buy games against some of these guys? Oh, they not you get gonna any calls.
12: No, no, they don't, they, they don't let you get out of there. No, no calls. And, 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 for, and for us, me, me being a guy as, as more so of a low major school, um, you, you hope some some people hope the five fouls because that helps you in the game because your best player does go to the bench. If he happens to pick up a foul they get a, a charge call, but like I said, I, I just want the game of basketball NCAA wise to grow.
1: All right, who else has got a good one? Who who else has got something maybe a
8: little bit outside the box, Jason? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I got a question. There's a lot of smart basketball minds on this call, um, Goodman not included. Uh, I I hate the fact that the charge exists the way that it exists in college basketball. I, I want to know from you guys. Do you hate it as much as I do? Because there's nothing that I can't stand more than watching a, a defender slide in underneath somebody, go into the rim, fall down, and get rewarded with a, with a charge called on it. Silence. No doubt. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I,
3: I hate the charge call. I think that too much at this level, they coach up taking charges, right, as a, as a strategy. And to me, I think, number one, it's dangerous. Number two, I think if a guy gets in the air before you get to the spot, you should have no shot at getting that call. And um, honestly, it has been it drives me nuts. I mean, especially we go play a Kelvin Sampson team, those guys are disciplined. So their low man's there, he's getting outside the charge circle, and he's going down on any contact. So to me, even whether – and that's the problem, again, that goes back to the inconsistencies from game to game that are attributed to me to the fact that, again, we got so many games, so many teams, it's just not called equally. And so it's really it, – it disrupts the game. And that's where you get into the issues, like Jason was touching on, our, your top players – attacking the rim, and they're not getting that call, it's brutal. So it's it's a killer. I can't stand it. And I also, we talk about screening. Andre mentioned screening. It's another one I can't stand. The illegal screen calls are, like, totally, wildly inconsistent. And and I just – I'm not a big fan.
7: But I do think if you if you teach you guys the right way, I think the, using charges, I think it's a, your advantage.
3: Heck, I yeah. Know. I agree with that.
7: I, I, I know uh, I haven't worked for Coach Beard uh, that much, but preparing for him, uh, I think they have a rule. Uh, we have a rule to get seven or eight charges a game. And, it, 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 you know, the times they beat us uh, in the past uh, at Texas, when he was at Texas Tech, they, they had five or six charges. It was a difference in the game. So uh, I definitely understand where you guys come from. But if you teach it the right way and you're consistent uh, and, and you have a culture where you're, you're doing it in practice and, and that's what you known for, I think it's, a, it's definitely a advantage.
5: Yeah, I'm a little bit old school, too, because, you know, I played for Morgan Wooten at the DeMatha High School. And, you know, if I just step in and take a charge, you know, eh, that buzzer was going off, man, I was coming out, you know. So I, it's just – it's kind of ingrained with me. But I, I understand what Cody's saying, too. I, I do think – you know, one of the rules that I thought was really going to pass, I know Matt went through some of them there, but I thought we were going to widen the lane. I thought that would help out a little bit. Um, I didn't think the charge circle – you know, Mike was on the committee, rules committee when they put the charge circle and then they moved it back. Um, but I really would was hoping that they would have a wider lane. I think that would even open it up even a little bit more. But obviously they they tabled that for this year. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting call for especially for us old school guys.
3: How do you guys feel about on ball charges? That's another one that's wildly consistent. Like where a guy's sliding and he's actually sl- like because at the NBA level, the guy with the ball owns the space, right? So if I'm driving and you reroute me, that's a foul on you. Like, even if, you, even if you read and jump in the way and fall down, you got in my way. I own that space, right? So, like, I don't know how you guys feel about that one. That's another one that, I mean, there are certain teams, like Jaren said, man, I mean, that are very unbelievably disciplined and very well coached at using those things to their advantage. I mean,
8: Davion Mitchell was the best at that, right? Like, he was able to just get in front of somebody and, and, and take a charge. I honestly don't mind that one as much. Because if you're beating someone to the spot, I feel like you kind of earn it. It's the ones where someone slides over and, and is not even trying to make a play on the ball, right? Like, we talk about what's what's best for the game and want to see your best players make a play. Do you want to see someone try to block a shot at the rim, block a dunk at the rim, maybe get dunked on, maybe get a poster, maybe get a highlight, maybe get something on Sports Center, Or do you want to see your best player going up and getting undercut and falling down and uh, maybe he's getting two free throws out of it, maybe he's picking up his third foul in the first half because it was a bad charge call? I don't know. I I just I hate the off-ball secondary defender fall down into a spot. I just it's not basketball to me.
7: Speaking of Donovan Mitchell, he 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 was one of the best on the ball uh, defenders I've seen because he wouldn't let you set a ball screen. And like, how many times can you say? I think Marcus Garrett did it a few times, but when you run continuous ball screens, we'll run four or five ball screens. And he had never let you let, I mean, he just got over it and beat you to the spot. So I think we got guys like that. And that's a that's a whole other level, like right, right there. But but I'm with you. Like my high school coach, like you gotta reward it by taking charges. So I'm I'm a big fan of charges. I'm sorry, fellas.
6: Hey, my my thing is, man, I, I think it should be one basketball. It's so retarded that we play with a nice. Nike ball, Under Armour ball, D's ball. I think that'll help the game. It's, it's so retarded to change balls just because we're going to play at a Nike school. If we're under the NCAA rule, let's have one basketball so everybody can stay hot all the time and play right. basketball. we we the only league in the world that, that change balls going from city Why to is city. That
7: Why is that though, Jason?
6: Because it's for money, money. that none money. of the <laughs> players get. I totally get it, but, like, and the NCAA they own the, the tournament, so we play with one ball. Now, everybody getting the rhythm. Let's do one ball, one universal basketball. Because yeah, even with preparation,
7: balls. you go play Texas Tech, you got to go get out your Under Armour balls. You go play Memphis, you got to get out the Nike balls. It's, yeah, so I, it's I, us. And so, when we,
6: when we go play, play on the, the mountain trip, Utah's Under Armour, then we fly from Utah to go to Colorado, they're Nike. So, we switch <laughs> the balls, and then we come on and play UCLA. That's Adidas ball. And
1: then we'll play our game. It's a Nike ball. I'm like surprised.
6: Only the NCAA. Only the NCAA <laughs>
1: can't figure this shit out. Seriously.
7: We should have four quarters, too. Hey,
1: Just think, five, yes. The four
7: women's game, 100%. We should hey, have four quarters. All right,
10: let's you go four quarters. Goodman. Hey, Goodman, <laughs> yeah. stop using profanity on our good family show. sorry. I know. <laughs> I know.
1: I do it every time, every week.
7: That's hey, 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 see why he met that, too. He felt that. That came from <laughs>
10: But hey, hard is right. We can't beat Notre Dame because of them under armor balls. <laughs>
3: hey,
5: the, we play with the Wilson ball, by the way. See why? All right. So we wear under armor shoes, but we don't, we don't play with that. We're well, the Wilson, Wilson ball. ball. Yeah. What y'all think about I, four quarters? I'm not a big fan. I just think it changes our game, but I know there's there's some movement towards that. I'm going to a four
6: quarters. It break the game down much easier. That twenty minutes on on the clock, that's like AAU. Twelve Ugh. minutes, you get in better rhythm. You get your TV timeouts <laughs> like the NBA. You get your group in, in and out. Yeah, I, I hope. I wish we did four quarters.
2: Well, I did some reporting on this last week on it, so I don't know when we're getting four quarters because the problem is. Uh, men's college basketball is different from every other sport in that the NFL has a TV deal with all of its you know with all with all the channels that air NFL games the same thing with the NBA the contracts always end at the same time and in the women's game you only had a handful of games on television across a couple of networks so that it was not hard to restructure the TV contract in men's college basketball The CBS deal doesn't end at the same time as the Fox deal doesn't end at the same time as the ESPN deal. So you cannot have a situation where ESPN goes, okay, we're cool if we want to completely restructure how we send our, our commercials and ad money to a template that aligns with four quarters. But then you've got the Big Ten network that's got two more years after that. Fox has three more years. CBS has five more years after that. You have to have all of the television contracts end at the same point. So that you can restructure. At least that's how it was explained to me by a TV executive and someone at the NCAA level. So I think everyone wants to get to, or not everyone, but a lot of people want to get to the four quarters because it makes sense. It's a logical progression. But television money is the thing that is preventing this from happening. And the feedback I got was if this ever happens, it's at least 10, 15 years out uh, once we get beyond the, the current media landscape of how. College basketball is broadcast on traditional television. I think so there. Is
3: there a problem with how really so many stoppages of play there are? Like, how would that be impacted, right? If there's ten stoppages of play in a game, right, and, and the, the 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 companies are paying for their ten spots or whatever it is, like, are we taking away stoppages of play? Yes. Or there would how be. many? Yes. If you know if how you are, many of you know the numbers,
2: there would be. That's what I was told. There would be a reduction in quarters because you would only have them at the quarter breaks, and then it's kind of should have so
3: you should have right so each team should take get a timeout right you're under seven you're under three your quarter break and if i mean just throwing it out there right you can give them the idea just add however many timeouts you get like a throwaway 20 second timeout and now you come to the same amount of stoppage to play that you had with the other one
2: i i think it's solvable but it's something that i think takes a true concerted effort and and all the invested parties are not interested in doing at this point because you're involved. Again, you're involving the rules committee, the conferences that have their own TV deals, right, Cody. And then uh, the television executives who lord over so much of this, like it is something that's solvable. And I, I'm kind of ambivalent on it. I would like to see it, but if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with it. But the the situation you're presenting there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it is something that we can conquer, but I just don't think it's, I think we'll look up in 10 years and men's college basketball is still going to be a two half game.
8: I mean, I think there's two things that really, really matter for this, at least for me, it's, it's the watchability of the product on TV, right? There's nothing more frustrating than when you get that TV timeout at the under 16. And then with 15 minutes or 45 seconds left, somebody calls the timeout in the second half. So you get that three minute TV timeout, then you come back and play for 10 seconds, then another three minutes, but that's going away. That's yeah. going away. So with- that's, that's good. If you get rid of that. Yeah. The other part of it is that when you, with all of these fouls that are called when both teams are in the bonus with 11 minutes left and a half, and you just have nothing but free throws down the stretch of the game, like that can really kill stuff too, especially when you're in the tournament and um, there's so many tightly called games and there's a lot of fouls. So uh, the, the rule to reset the fouls at 10 minutes, uh, Matt, I don't know if that's something that is actually going to end up happening, but to me that makes a lot of sense.
2: <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. This makes the, the the product on TV better. They they didn't, I don't know why they didn't. They So that was discussed basically going to a fake four quarters format But they just, they didn't do it because I know there's enough coaches still that still like the one and one. Uh, And if you go to four quarters uh, and do the fouls, like you don't have the one and one anymore, which I cannot, I cannot, I kind of understand why they, why they would resist that. But I think that's why this was on the table. This was discussed last week, but they just decided that they were not ready to abandon the one in one concept, which has its pros and cons overall. But I think that was the major factor in why it wasn't passed along for even experimentation at the NIT level, the way that the six foul rule is.
1: All right, who, who else, who else has some ideas for, for rule changes overall?
5: Yeah. I, you know, one thing I have Jeff, um, especially off the court. Um, and Chris kind of alluded to this a earlier when he was talking about, you know, having managers go work out with our guys and so forth. And, I think in the ACC, you know, CY probably saw the email today, but I think we're going to kind of go to this. And this started with the pandemic of the last summer. But I, I really feel like like your graduate assistant or your operations guy or something like that, like, you know, one of the things I've been proud of here, you know, being here at Notre Dame for 21 years, especially the last half of my career. Obviously, you're, you're here for 21 years because you had success on the court and off the court, you know, I mean, you're doing things the right way. Um, but one of the things I've taken a lot of pride in is like mentoring some young our, our young coaches on our staff including in the last five or six years guys that play for us and probably even more important young black coaches that are starting their careers out that I think that is just such an important step for those guys and you know for those guys not to be able to get on the court and actually work with guys um, I just think that's that, that's just not right for example like a couple of years ago, we had um, Eric Atkins, who's an assistant at GW right now, who will be a head coach here shortly, um, you know, was in our kind of our video role and everything like that. And, you know, our young uh, Prentice hub when he was a freshman, you know, Eric was on our staff and, um, you know, and he, you know, he wasn't able to go, work. you know, they're both from the DMV area. You know, they had to develop a great relationship off the court. Like, you know, Eric Atkins should be able to go help print hub out on the court, like to help, you know, he was a very good point guard for us to help, you know, teach them- themselves the nuances of the game and so forth. I just think we're, we're getting, you know, we got something today where I think we're going to get to that point. At least we're going to experiment with this summer um, to be able to do that. I just think that's so important, you know, to be able to get on the court and interact with guys. I know the recruiting piece is one thing to be able to go get out and recruit, but you know, there's a lot of recruiting that's done off the court too, that are, those guys are involved with, I think, which I think helps prepare those guys. But like, we gotta like you know loosen it up a little bit and let those guys actually get out there and, and sweat with those guys, especially like during the summertime when we we're on the road. Like to be able to, to work with guys, I, you know. Like Chris said, you know, you have to get a manager maybe to work out for the extra couple of hours. Like we should be able to do that. We should have our young guys and our staff be able to step in those roles. You know, it's been. I think that's it. I think I think, dude, oh, a, I think, oh, I think that
6: should, that rule for me, I think that should change very fast because in LA, every agency is out here. So if they can't work out with our grass, they're just going to work out with a runner. And then right. the runner going to tell them, hey, man, you're averaging six. Come on to the league. Your coach is tripping. So for me, I think that just because we're in L.A., we got a million runners out here, right? And so they come in, your AU coach, your high school coach. If they did that for us, that eliminates some of our players. We had like three in the past, put their name in the draft and did get drafted. They can work with our guys with unlimited hours. Right. I think that would really help for us out here because every agent is trying to get – all these players right now early. Uh,
10: It's just been my experience over the last 26 years that the gym keeps kids out of trouble. You know, that's, I mean, if you're the NCAA, I I don't understand how practical intelligence doesn't tell you that if the kid is in the gym, he's not in the club, he ain't running the street, he's not doing things that get you in trouble in college. So that's something that really, really bothers me. That's something that we got to get changed and the guys, it's still a bunch of lazy guys out here. Now some some guys don't want to get in the gym. Right. We get we are blessed here at Florida State. The new bloods, let to get my plug in, Joe. <laughs> that we get kids with tremendous amount of humility that want to be gym rats. But uh, it's hard dancing around that rule all the time. They that definitely has to change. And the agent deal that Jason is talking about is real as real can get, especially with ACC and these uh, power five players. Mm-hmm.
2: I'll throw out real quick um, from a cons- from a media and consumer standpoint. I'd actually be interested to see what uh, what you guys, as coaches, uh, feel how it changes or doesn't change at the end of games. I want. I understand that we're never going back to the way it was without monitor reviews, but there there are too many, and there have been instances, a lot of them, in the past couple of seasons. Guys, you will be point game with a minute to go take 15 minutes of real time it is a terrible experience there um so my rule proposal is that once once the monitor review begins that process begins once the, an official is looking you get 60 seconds you get 60 seconds or you stick with the call and that's it so that if even if you have three of these in the final minute of the game like you're not there was a wisconsin iowa game i think it was the final regular season game this season it took 20 minutes in real time to play the final two minutes of the game this should just never happen there i'm actually curious when that stuff is happening in you and if you're dealing with all this like almost comically like what the hell are you talking about in the huddle for all that time like there's only so much you can say about a given situation there and it's just it's it's dead air and it's something that college basketball severely needs to clean up because we know we're never going back to not having it so if we're going to have it we have to almost protect the officials from themselves so they can't be staring at the same thing for five, six, straight minutes.
3: I I say this, that starts though with them being reliable officials, right? And consistent officials. But what the NBA did that I like, obviously we've got the replay center and caucus, right? So somebody else is looking at it. So when it happens, they go over to the monitor, the answers are being given to them. They're not, it's not there for them to decide. I would love to see each conference go to that, right? Because when you go to the monitor, now you if you put a timer on it, it's about how long an NBA review takes, right? But at the end of the games, too, uh, you know, getting back to it is—I mean, there's a lot on the line here as well, right? These are—we're not playing for fun, right? We're putting roofs over heads, right? We're feeding—we're feeding kids through this game, paying for college educations, things like that. So, to, to me, it's important that we get it right. It has to be gotten right, because if you are on the short end of that stick on the losing side, right, and that could be the difference between somebody having a job or not having a job or this or that. Right, it is a it, it's it's just unacceptable to me. Um, so I like the thought of a review a review center, uh, and and to me, I also like the thought of uh, the coach's challenge being at the end because we had that in the G League uh, during my time. All three years that I was in the G League, we used that challenge, and uh, to me, I thought that was valuable. Right, if you really think you're right, throw out your time out there, put something on the you know put put a little skin in the game. All right, what else what else we got, Andre? What 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 would you change?
9: Uh, sorry, and it goes back to just playing and stuff. I, I love the NBA rule uh, the last two minutes where they could advance the ball if they timeout time out to the side out of bounds. I, I think some of the great basketball minds and bas- college basketball going get that pin and draw up something pretty in those situations. That'd be one rule I'd like to see come down to college. It's, I I love watching the NBA games the last couple of minutes and see what those are. Make guys the game
7: uh, make the game exciting to watch. Make
9: yeah, there's something off the court, and I know I'm a unicorn on this stance. The, um, the recruiting calendar drives me crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we should have one. I think if it's May 15th and I'm free and there's a tournament going on down the road, I should be able to go to it. Um, you can, I, don't, I think every school's on different academic calendars. So you can't mandate when guys have breaks and when their kids ain't there. So allow us to go. I think it hurts the people that don't cheat <laughs> by putting those calendars on us. And it takes away from us being able to have contact with a lot of families a lot of times because of the restrictions. And so the NCAA always talk about the third parties, these handlers and stuff. I think by letting us get out more, we could kind of eliminate some of the middlemen more because we could develop real relationships So that's the only thing that dropped me nuts the actual calendar. I hate the calendar. Um, I follow the rules and I'm gonna do it, but I wish they were to do away with the calendar
10: and let us go when we want to. Hey, Jeff. That's why Andre Gray is the best mid-major assistant in the country, and he needs to go up to a high-major job. Somebody get him a job, job. That's a great job. I agree with that. I That's agree. Like, let job. guys
1: outwork other guys.
7: Right. What's wrong with team. that?
1: You want to work? You get the player. Now, again, sometimes you, you can still work as hard as you can, but if that other guy's doing some other shit, stuff, sorry, see why? Then, then, then you, they're going to get the player. But – but if everything's equal, give it to the guy who's going to work. Yeah. So let guys go out whenever they want to go out. What's the big deal?
6: Well, the big deal is, um, shit, sometimes you got to have some time for your wife and your family too. If we had to go out all the time, it'd be like, you know, during your season. And right, So have a dead walk- period.
1: Have a couple dead periods.
6: August yeah, dead, you, you know, it's, yeah, where it's nobody $2. can do anything. But there's two rules that I want to see change. One is, I think it's corny to have a tied up possession basketball, and if some of the refs are not consistent, they give it a jump ball, give it to somebody else. So I think everything should be a jump ball,
3: Three. right? It's not rewarding, that. that's
6: corny. Yes. And then the two things, I'm a father of a, a upcoming uh, college student athlete, I, the NCAA shouldn't tell me I have to leave the gym when my son is not playing the AAU game. That's, that's corny, because I want to watch the game and say, hey, Little Jason, see this dude over here when he dribble left. Watch it. We, I'm supposed to leave the gym when this game is over. It, like I'm really entertaining and recruiting somebody else. So I think those rules are too much. That they think we always on and we're not. I think it's they have to put a little bit more human realistic with that. <laughs>
11: This isn't, a, this isn't a rule or anything, but I was curious. Have you guys started talking about with your staffs game attire? Just coming out of last year, what everybody was wearing. Are we going back to the suits or not? I hope not. Xavier
4: won't. Xavier's going slacks, pullover, baby. And that's what we got. It's already been decided. Hey,
7: hey, hey it saves money. Ain't no more tailor suits. Ain't no more cleaners bills. <laughs> that's what I'm looking at financially. I already to- <laughs> been decided, baby. <laughs> Mike what, Mike what, Gray
1: is still going with the shorts, right? And we're going to
5: Maui this year, so it might be shirtless too as well. <laughs> Rod, you better you better start working out more. <laughs>
7: hey. one rule that I, I that I would like to see change and I, and I didn't um feel like this until we went over to the World Games uh and played and when the ball is hit the realm is live. I thought that the game was so much uh uh more exciting, more more intense and just a better just a better flow and better pace of the game when you, guys just going to get it right after, you know, right when that ball hit the rim, you could go snatch it off and uh, you could save the, the little corny as Jason. I like that word, a little corny, you know, gold calls and that, you know, man, let's play some basketball. Let's get it and go. I thought that was really, really fun. And all our guys liked it uh, when we was over there in the world game. So I think that would be, be something cool to bring to the game.
2: Yeah. That was on the table last week and i don't know why i was actually given the impression that they would have a good chance to go to the nit experimental phase for like next season it didn't even get there the only feedback i got in advance of that was players at the american level haven't been taught to play that way so there might have been some reticence over physicality around the rim but I think the game is going to, like, Jarrett. I think it's headed that way. Like, I think that will be a rule. Like, we'll look up in a decade. That will be a rule. I don't know why there was.
7: It took our players one or two games to kind of figure it out. And after that.
2: Right. Also, it's one less thing for the official to have to worry about. Like right. It just seems like the ultimate win-win. So, like, there were a couple of things that didn't get pushed through that were a little, like, Uh, okay i guess i kind of that one kind of blew me away It's like there's no downside to this that i can possibly foresee it's the FIBA rule we should just implement it immediately and they just they just opted not to but i think if there was enough push from coaches you know in the next year and the year after that like you you send this feedback to the people it needs to be sent to you know barnes and huggins are now going to be on the on the rules committee for the next year or two like i think there's a chance that could actually get pushed through the next time they vote through rule stuff because i I don't know. It it brings a certain excitement to the game. And again, it's one less thing for the officials. Anytime you can take something practically out of the officials' hands for the betterment of the game, it's just a no-brainer.
1: What else we got, guys? Any any other ideas? Any other things that you absolutely hate in the game right now that should
10: be changed? Jeff, I don't know about that, but I want to remind everybody, fellas, this is a family show. Stop using profanity. Two, I got a question to Rod. Rod, uh, what was the reason that you were in favor of the wider
5: lane i just wanted to you kind of elaborate on the wider. Lane.
11: yeah
0: I
5: just like see why like to be able to you know we were talking about the charge call earlier like i just think that when you have a a, a a lane that's that's narrower there's more you know to rob's point like there's more contact near the rim you know and you know i i grew up with the charge but i i do think there's too many charges in the game too especially near the rim so i thought that that maybe could have leave that problem a little bit by having, you know, guys further out
3: from the basket. So, and, yeah.
5: um, you know, so. I, no I, I just,
3: I'll piggyback on that. Cause I was, I would love to see us go basically to fever rules. I like 24 second shot clock. I like the wide lane, but here's the thing about the wide lane uh, too. just piggybacking on that. You talk about space, right? The wide lane impacts the offensive players sitting in there for three seconds, right? Cause we right. don't have a D three. So inherently what happens is the big guys have to cleanse further out away from the rim. So when they do that, we're still going to try to teach our guys to stay at that low man spot, but what are they going to do, right? They're going to have more of a tendency to follow that guy one or two steps even away from the rim, which then the caveat to that is on a drive on the right side, if my guy cleansed himself over on the left side, it's further for that guy to go to get in position to take that charge. So there's less likelihood – he can even make it there, right? So that's the thing that I love about the wide lane. I think that changes the game. And I do like 24 second shot clock because it speeds things up. You guys like 24 second shot clock
1: or no?
11: Yes. Overall, overall, I like congruence. I think the bet the better, the same reason high school basketball should have a shot clock. I mean, have congruence between high school to college to professional.
7: Only thing about that, because I'm being from Illinois and, and 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 recruiting in Chicago, I mean, some of those those guys can't even have, have a have enough money for bleachers or or less known to put a shot clock. So I think a lot of people in the state of Illinois and Chicago want it, but it's just financially. Where do the funds come from? You know, so I think uh, that's a big deal that a lot of people think about. Let's put the shot clock in, but some of these communities and some of these cities, there's there's.
1: But is it is it good for the college game to go twenty four? Are, are guys best. able to do that?
7: I like the twenty four, but I, I, I definitely think it would help if you had it, um, you know, starting at the high school level. Yeah. My biggest pet peeve is when the referees telling kids to sit down after a celebration. <clears throat> like, are you serious? Like. Super corny, as Jason would say. Like, what, like, like it was like you couldn't dunk the ball in warm ups forever. You get a techno foul. Like, <laughs> the game is for our players. Like, some of these kids never get in the game, and that's their time to. I was a guy that played behind four draft picks. So, for me to bring something to the table and put my handprint on that team was to celebrate and, and bring energy. And now, as soon as I get up, I got a referee who's missing a call down this way telling me, me and my players to sit down. Like, Little stuff like that is just like, come on now, let's 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 play basketball and keep it moving.
1: Nothing worse than hanging on the room, calls. Nothing worse than the technicals. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> let them celebrate. As long as they're not doing two chin-ups, right. let them do what they want to do. Okay, so what do you got?
12: Yes, everybody kind of touching on everything in terms of 24 second shot economy and fan that is where I think I think what we're doing is as a as a organization instead of lead, we we want to play faster. And so what what would be, be better than speeding the game over 24 second shot clock to get a a quick hitter, uh, to get more transition baskets, to make the players stand out better. Um so I think everybody's touching on a lot of different points. I would like to see to be honest with you away with the whole 10 second uh call in the backcourt. That's just I mean I don't I'm not I don't understand the point of it. Uh it just why like, I mean, it's a situation where I just see refs doing this, and they don't even do it a lot because it's just forgotten rule. So why even just kind of have
8: it? Mm,
7: that's interesting because if well, you got, a, you no got a pit bull picking up 94 feet. I need that 10 seconds, baby. I need yes, sir. We need I was going to say, pick, move baby. it to eight, man. Move yeah, it to yeah. eight
3: like the league. Yeah, yeah. true. Then everybody's going to be okay. pressing, man. They'll be I'm working hard. Pressing there. will
4: be – Irrelevant then you just are gonna
3: player. come off the bench and take a charge. Uh,
10: hey, <laughs> I, I love the hey, I love the young fellow from Jackson State, but I need that 10-second line too, got But <laughs> what about
1: what about other recruiting rules, guys? You guys are obviously involved in recruiting more than anybody else. Is there anything else that you would change there? Again, you know, my whole deal is lessen the the, the, the amount of restrictions. What specifically is there anybody anything else that like I love years ago when I first broke in and did recruiting, there were things that you could do to be creative when you went to events to to stand out from everybody else. Like I miss that. I miss yeah. listen, the summer to me sucks now compared to how it used to be. It used to be fun, it used to have characters, used to be able to be creative. Now it's like none of that.
7: Yeah. yeah. Our, our Tina was coming to the games with TJ Ford T-shirts. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, listen. The bail even the Baylor shirts, right? How big they were, and they didn't like ban the size. They couldn't. They couldn't have the lettering. Uh, they really? Did they, they really? Did they really? I mean, listen. You you had John Beeline yelling at dudes because they were standing in front of doorways. Like, come on. Like, like stuff's just gotta loosen up in recruiting and have fun. And like you guys said, it's all about the kids. Like. Let them have fun. And I, I think part of it is a promotional part of it. I think we lost it. I, I'm not the biggest Sonny Vaccaro guy in the world, but that dude knew how to promote, didn't he? I mean, we had like, like a Sebastian Telfer-Darius Washington matchup at ABCD that was bigger than like LeBron against Kawhi.
13: That, that's the yeah, way we all yeah, thought it
1: was. Yeah. And now there's just no, there's no juice in, in any of the buildings.
7: We, we got turned in. Me and York Malagy were at SMU. We just signed Keith Frazier, Emmanuel Moutier, and we were trying to get Jordan Mickey. And we printed some shirts, Nike shirts that said, ain't nothing wrong with staying at home. It didn't, it didn't have nothing personal, but his family, everybody knew what we was talking about. But we had schools turn us in because we had a shirt that said, ain't nothing wrong with staying at home. It's like, like, come on, like, like you ain't doing your job if you worried about somebody wearing a t-shirt. But, but it, it, it becomes, it's, it's that petty and, uh, and corny.
10: And and from a recruiting standpoint, you gotta allow people to outwork people. I I, I, I hate the rules that don't allow people to outwork. Hey, if you wanna be a boring, not working extra dude, that's on you. You wanna stay home, that's on you. I'm a silverback gorilla. I I want this boy. Yeah, so let me ask you this. I'm gonna follow follow the bus if I have to. I want Thaddeus Young, I'm following the bus. Now, if you don't want to do it, that's on you. <laughs> you got to let guys outwork guys. Yeah, I, I, you, I say
7: really say you following that bus
10: even when it oh, stop? Man, listen. I told Paul Hewitt, hey, listen. The bus is leaving at 430. Yeah. He directions. The bus always going to the game. <laughs> <laughs> I follow the bus. <laughs> uh,
7: I'll, put that
10: back five. I, I'll get you directions at 730.
5: <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting because it's been out of sight, out of mind, because we've been dead here for so long and we didn't have a summer last summer. But it'll be interesting to see if we go back to the um, three AAU weekends, so to speak, in July. Because I mean, I always like that during the summertime, man. You were able to cover a lot of ground and see a lot of guys and see the best players play against the best players, which I think is always big with us as far as evaluations. Um I think we're going to go to that, you know, but then is it going to change after the summer? Are we going to go back to the NCAA camps? I guess we are, you know, I have to be, you know, because Mike was president of the NABC. So, you know, he had to be on board with the NCAA camps. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt when two years ago when we did it, but, you know, it just, you know, the the best players didn't play in that, you know? So um, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully, you know, we'll get back to that this summer, but then what's going to happen, you know, moving forward, you know, it's going to be interesting.
6: Yeah, I say Rod, like Rod, that. Rod, They vote. They voted <laughs> on that. It should. It's gonna. It, it should vote next Wednesday. But it's the eighth through the eleventh, sixteenth through the eighteenth, and twenty second through the twenty fifth. The thing for me is like like Cy said in recruiting, everybody gonna run to the Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike. But it's right. gonna be a lot of pros who couldn't prove themselves in high school to get on the elite AU teams in the side gym. So my thing is. Allow more side gym AU, uh NCA certified, so I can go sneak and find me a pro. Amen.
5: Everybody yeah, but,
6: gonna be in that gym AYBL. That I pass. But, I'm gonna go. Jason, that, that everybody that's everybody only gonna be like for
5: this summer, right, Jason? Like next summer, it's gonna go back to the camps. I think you know we're gonna have the Peach Jam sort of weekend. You know, and then well, that camp, that back. camp,
6: that camp I went to the one in Phoenix, and I never knew a kid named Alex Fudge. I was like, right, who is he? So right. it's, it's some. If you're looking yeah. at the right stuff, you can find something, and they give the opportunity to be seen right. in like another setting. So I, I, I didn't mind that. That was cool. But well,
7: that being said, uh, I'm a peach fan. I love the peach jam. I like the peaches. I like the. I like to watch the 15s and 16s. I like to. <laughs> I like to see see Jar- it. Jar- 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 because
6: Jar- you you was at Kansas. You were recruiting the elite. I gotta find me. Dude, we have four quote unquote low majors in the NCAA tournament this year? This year, our team we started
7: beat us by 30 in the tournament. What are you talking but, about?
6: But let me <laughs> let me tell you though, we had we had a kid transfer from rice. <laughs> hey, look, Jarence, we had a kid transfer from Rice who was low major out of high school. Wolfer, Jason, I came know off the, the bench at Santa,
7: Santa Clara. I know everybody on your team. Yeah. You said <laughs> I all,
6: so I gotta go find them before they go to rice now. I don't want them to go to rice no more. Just come on to us. Cause we, you know, we it's waffer,
1: Jason. It's waffer, not Wolford.
6: Oh, waffer. Hey, he was balling. He was balling. First came everybody to say,
7: "Whoa!" Oh, <laughs> hey, how I, about this rule, though? If you spend all this time recruiting and a relationship with these kids and parents, and then when you see them out at the AU hey, events, you, you got to turn your, you got to turn, <laughs> turn away because some, like you, can, like I'm scared to even say, say do, do, do anything. Like, like, hey, if, I missed if, the do, lines.
1: Come on now. I miss years ago with the lines when coaches (laughs) would be standing there and it'd be literally. (laughs) Man, that was. Especially in Vegas,
5: right, Jeff? Especially in Vegas. like I miss it all. Like
1: (laughs) one of my favorite things ever was first when I was breaking into recruiting, Ed Cooley was there and he went up to me. It was Ramel Bradley at ABCD. And he said to me, he goes, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you tell that kid that BC, that we're going to offer him a scholarship? And I looked at him. I said, but, but like, your head coach isn't even – he like, Al Skinner hasn't even seen him. He's like, just, just tell him we're offering him. I'm like, I'm not telling him you're offering him. A, like, the shit that went on, again, Charl- now, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, <laughs> you can bleep me out. Doster will bleep me out later. It's okay. It gives him something to do. He, does, he doesn't talk. He might as well edit. Um, but I think there was so much entertainment with the summer that is lost now and and the NCAA just tries to take away all the fun away from everything and and again like to me we got to bring the fun back into the game somehow whether it's AU whether it's college whether it's recruiting whatever it is like the in-home visit is gone those were the best things ever the in-home visit stories were the best stories ever they're gone now how many in-home visits you guys
6: do now?
5: Zoom, oh, zooms, baby.
6: <laughs> well, with COVID, I don't think nobody really running running to that home. But see why I said with 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 the Thaddeus Young, he may go in and do some home visits. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that guy's out work. If you yeah, want to, all die, all to die, die. I, I'm vaccinated. I, yep. Hey, Jim, I'm vaccinated, so I'm going into <laughs> homes as many as I can. I'm vaccinated, so I'm going. I'm, I'm going
7: in there with if I'm not vaccinated for Thaddeus Young. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I'll
7: deal with that later. We <laughs> do. <laughs>
6: Yeah, right, well,
7: that, that stuff is
9: awesome. Like you remember the home visits of sitting out with grandma and mama, and yeah, I miss it personally. Again, I I, I, I missed. It, it helps you coach wow. the kid when you get them too.
7: Yeah, yeah.
10: yeah. Too. Well, home visits are still legal now. It's COVID shutting <laughs> down. Oh, we still do. Like
1: y'all, like, scare me now. They didn't. They didn't <laughs> get home visits, did it? No, I'm just saying there weren't that many of them. Even even before I COVID, know. they still had kind of come to a standstill for the most part. They they weren't like they used to be.
7: Yeah, I don't like doing home visits like kids say. Sometimes they be embarrassed or, you know, family dynamic. But yeah. when they tell me, to, oh, we're going to do it at the school, it's something about going into that home where they lay their head and break bread. So, like, but I always deny, like, no, nah, we don't want to do the school. I've been at the school. I need to be at mama house or, or, or nanny house, somebody house. Because it's different. It's different. Hey, hey
1: one more thing. Chris, uh, and what – the the difference now um, is there anything you guys would do as mid as, as mid major guys to try to make it more of an equal playing field? Is there any, I guess, is there anything in recruiting with the restrictions that that hurts you maybe more than hurts these guys?
11: When it comes to recruiting, everything I know I've learned from uh, CY. So uh, I think uh, for us, No, I don't. I think there's a pecking order. There's a natural pecking order that takes place. You know, I've been at at some different places, some different levels, and I think it always works out. If you work hard, you do a good job, you treat people the right way uh, and and try to work like CY is saying. I think you're going to get the guys. You try to identify. Jason was talking about a young man we had at Rice, Drew Peterson. You try to identify. You, You know, evaluation is where it's at. And so at the end of the day, evaluate, recruit, Win some, lose some. See why I used to always say you bat 300 in this thing. You're pretty good. So, for me, that's how I view it. You guys did a hell of a
6: job. I had two, two kids. A kid at Virginia, he made some noise too. So, yeah, guys did a good job. I'm just done with the whole people telling me who low major, mid major, because now the high majors is stealing anything at the mid or low to average 16 points. So, the days of sending me the to, to paying for that, tell me who not good enough in their paying. I don't even want to see it. Them scouting things. I don't want to see that.
10: J Jay- Jason Hart is absolutely yeah. right. I mean, the, the the key to it is evaluating stealing. Fellas, Devin Vassell went 11 to the Spurs for us. I was in a recruiting war with Presbyterian in North Florida. You know, they laughed at me when I signed Devin Vassell. You know what I mean, laughed at me. I mean, they he was playing in the Big Shots tournament. Well, he, yo, I'm it.
4: laughing at you. I was right down the road. We tried. <laughs> we tried to get. Yeah, I want nobody laughing at you. No, that, that one's right there. That was a that was a true eval right there, brother. That is a classic case of you outworking people, knowing what the hell you're looking for. See it. You stuck to your guns. You laid on the tracks for that dude, and that's what he got. I think
7: Not that's good. a lost art in our game too, especially at a oh, high yeah. level
4: of evaluation. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a
7: lost art. People go off on who recruiting who or who who who, who got these many offers. I I, I I trust my eyes, but it's a lost art. And I'm not but saying, if, if your if your boss,
6: time. if your boss in your school is chasing having a number one and two recruiting class, then you those kids are still gonna get handed over to other programs. It, it's what your boss or what the school want? Like you want a heavy recruiting class or you want some good players? I'm, I'm gonna say this. I respect Jerris in Kansas. I mean, they had a backcourt
10: of Devontae Graham, who was going to App State, and Frank Lanson, <laughs> who was going to Townsend State. Correct. That's 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 a great evaluation. Now, I mean, people they, they think that that's a blue blood, high major program, but those two low to mid major guards, people said,
7: uh, you you got to give Curtis Townsend credit because if if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he went to go see Jordan McLaughlin, who went to SC, and they was in that back room. K.T. was in that back room, side gym in Vegas. Frank had one one, one part of his hair braided and the other half not braided. And, and KT went to go see Jordan, and he like, man, who was this little kid picking up this dude ninety four feet? And he called the AU coach, and he said it's just a fluke. Went back the next day, and offered him. So it, 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 it's uh, it, it, trust my eyes. <laughs>
10: Jonas, Jonas Hayes is getting pretty good at it too. He, he stole the kid from St. Francis that I. I laid in bed three days watching Law and Order when I lost the executive. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
6: is that that track? Was that that track athlete? The one that could run a, 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 a 40 and 4.1 oh, yeah.
10: seconds? Oh, yeah. 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 Last name, oh, yeah. Older. Last name, Older. Yeah. But oh, hey, yeah. fellas,
6: key word for everybody on this call
10: Back gym. Oh, yeah. That's the last that's thing that's I'm going to say.
7: Just,
6: yes, right. yeah. Most definitely. See why, see why I won't hang with you at the peach this year, baby. You know, we normally get together at peach. I see you, Jairus. I'm gonna be at the I'm, I'm going at South Carolina, South Carolina tournament. I will be with
7: hey fellas, I will be at Peachdale. We can we have peaches together. I will be there with my hoodie.
6: <laughs> and you're gonna have some Nikes on, Jans. You out the Medina's, oh baby. Now you can throw some Air Max on, <laughs> Jason. You're gonna be at Josie High School,
4: that's where you're gonna be at. Be exactly. <laughs> I'm, gonna
6: be yeah, over there. I'm just gonna be there in the third
7: day, but the first two days, I'm at Peach Jam, baby. <laughs> Jaren's misses that
1: long break in the middle of Peach Jam from 10 years ago when you see everybody
7: at the pool, yeah, buddy. This all right, well, listen.
1: Fun. Uh, we appreciate everybody jumping off for this. This was good. This was uh, a chance to kind of talk about the rules and the good, the bad, the ugly. And um, we'll do it again. We'll, we'll have everybody back. Uh, make sure, again, everybody listening, uh, Coaches' Candid Conversations. Every single week we'll have different coaches, different topics. And uh, let's hope all of them are as candid as Jason Hart was today. I like it. I like it today. Hey,
7: fellas. On the count of three, let's see who can get to the portal the fastest.
13: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.